0: Lift off. We have a lift off.
1: Good evening. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number is 404 872 750 1 800 WSB Talk. My goodness, the Speaker of the House, David Ralston, poured gasoline on himself and lit himself on fire yesterday in a meeting. I've got the details on that amazing turn of events, self-inflicted on his part. But we got to get to Bernie Sanders before we get anything else. This story is actually even more amazing. Bernie Sanders, in 24 hours, has raised more than all the other announced Democratic candidates combined Some of them took them, Elizabeth Warren, for example, took her 48 hours to get to a million dollars raised. Bernie Sanders raised $3 million in 12 hours and $6 million in the first 24 hours. He's got pledges of $600,000 in monthly contributions coming in to his campaign. It is astonishing Astounding that he would raise that much. Uh, so here are the details. Uh, so Sanders entered the 2020 race Tuesday morning. His campaign, 14 hours later, had 150,000 donors contributing $4 million. By Wednesday morning, it was $6 million. $600,000 at that haul is in the form of contributions that will renew monthly. That is staggering. Now, I told you yesterday uh, that I thought Bernie had some level of disadvantage because uh, he's old and he's white and he's not a Democrat. And now the new hot thing is Kamala Harris. And then you've got others. Amy Klobuchar. Oh, Amy Klobuchar coming to Georgia and the the Stacey Abrams supporters are treating her like they did Stacey Evans. Apparently, white women are not allowed to come campaigning in Georgia anymore. Uh, fascinating uh, racial dynamic there, actually, to the opposition to Amy Klobuchar here in Georgia. Elizabeth Warren, though, Klobuchar, Kamala Harris, none of them have been able to top Bernie Sanders. So yesterday I told you that the conventional wisdom that I have largely leaned towards is that Bernie's going to have a more difficult time this year because people are gravitating towards a female minority candidate. It's going to be hard for me to see the Democrats going for old white guy who's not even a Democrat. But what this shows is that Bernie actually does have a really good path. And the people who are defying conventional wisdom have something to their argument that Bernie has a built-in base of support. The other people have to acquire their support. He's got a built-in fundraising base. The other people have to build. He's got built-in Hollywood support that the others are going to have to try to cultivate. He's got name recognition. The others don't have, and people pay attention to Bernie Sanders, uh, whether they like him or not. So one of the arguments though, that Bernie has made for himself that's actually coming back to haunt him 24 hours after he made the argument is his argument that we're supposed to be a meritocracy. Now, you're listening to this. And yes, I just said Bernie Sanders argued we're supposed to be a meritocracy. And you're like, huh? Bernie Sanders? Well, yes, because you see... Bernie Sanders in the past has used the diversity arguments, and in so using the diversity arguments has tried to weaponize the diversity arguments. Bernie Sanders in the past has made the case that we've got to pay attention to intersectionalism, that uh, we got to pay attention to people who cross all the barriers related to race and, and sexuality and everything else. But now he realizes that works against him. So here's Bernie Sanders. This is a quote from him yesterday. I don't have the audio. i got to read it to you. We have got to look at candidates, you know, not by the color of their skin, not by their sexual orientation or their gender, and not by their age. I mean, we think we have got to try to move us toward a non-discriminatory society, which looks at people based on their abilities, based on what they stand for. You got that? Let me read it to you again. There's nothing in here a conservative could object to. We have got to look at candidates not by the color of their skin, not by their sexual orientation or their gender, and not by their age. I mean, I think we have got to try to move us toward a non-discriminatory society which looks at people based on their abilities, based on what they stand for. That sounds almost Martin Luther King Jr. It sounds like a conservative politician in the 21st century. And Bernie Sanders is being eaten alive by Democrats for this because they have bowed down to the gods of intersectionalism and fake diversity. You can have 10 people in a room who all look different as long as they think the same. That's that's diversity on the left these days. No intellectual Diversity. Well, Bernie's having to say this because he's the old white guy in the room and he's trying to convince Democrats. Hey, hey, don't hold it against me that I'm old and white. I'm one of you. I stand for what you stand for and we need to be a colorblind society. Not the Democrats are not having any of it. They're beginning to point out that Bernie is not a Democrat. He's a socialist. The Democrats are starting to get scared of the socialist term. Yeah, you know, the New York Times come out the other day and say, hey, hey, these Republicans, they're calling Democrats socialists. The Democrats are calling themselves that. Nonetheless, that's where we're headed. Bernie Sanders being al- eaten alive by the, the people he has long cared for because he's too white and he's too old and they want young and they want non-white they want non-male. He's got all those strikes against him. So he can say all the time. I mean, Bernie Sanders is basically a Soviet. He, he is a, as close to being a Soviet in the United States as you can possibly be. Remember Bernie Sanders honeymoon in the Soviet Union. I played the audio yesterday where Bernie says, hey, people standing in line for food. That's good because in capitalist countries, all the poor people starve to death. He actually said that. Oh, this is what the Democrats are. This is where they're headed, and now they're they're eating their own. They're also trying to beat up St- uh Amy Klobuchar. As people close to Stacey Abrams are outraged that this white woman, and they are making it about race. It's not just me saying it; they're making it about race. That this white woman is coming to Georgia, and she's committing the chief sin. Amy Klobuchar is the Minnesota Democrat who Republicans think is kind of nice, even though if they disagree with her, she's come to Georgia to campaign, and she is committing the chief sin in Georgia of, for Democrats these days. She's doing so not with Stacey Abrams, but with white Democrats. Remember, when Stacey Abrams ran for governor, her uh, supporters, in fact, some of the people on her campaign staff organized a protest against her primary opponent, Stacey Evans, on the grounds that uh, you can't trust white women. And I wish I was making that up, but I'm not. Uh, You can find the videos online of Stacey Abrams campaign staffers shouting down Stacey Evans at a Nutroots Nation event here in a Netroots Nation, I'm sorry, I always say Nutroots, but Netroots Nation, that's a progressive online activist event they had in Atlanta. Stacey Evans was there to speak, and it was Elizabeth Warren who actually had to come on stage and call off the dogs for Stacey Evans because the Abrams supporters and campaign staffers were shouting her down, wouldn't let her speak, uh, shouting about white women that they needed black women on the stage. Well, the same thing is now happening with Amy Klobuchar, who's coming to the state. She is doing a fundraiser with several Georgia Democrats, including Roy Barnes. Roy Barnes backed Stacey Evans, did not back Stacey Abrams. Well, Stacey Abrams' campaign staffers are now calling this Georgia's old guard a failed Democrat moderate. Yes, my friends, Roy Barnes is considered an old guard failed Democrat moderate. And saying, if you're running for president and making your Georgia debut, you embrace Abrams, you embrace the new Democratic voter coalition, and you don't treat the state like an ATM. That's actually pretty amazing. That's, that's, that's stunning. We actually are getting to the point where, I mean, Democrats in Georgia, it, it's are engaging in the Soviet style of politics where if you don't kiss the ring, you're going to be punished. That's how far left the Democrats in the state are going. Uh, Republicans in the state should be paying attention to this. I'll tell you what else Republicans in the state need to be paying attention to. Uh, yesterday, there was a uh, House Republican conference meeting where the House Republicans could finally hear from Speaker Ralston, and I got to tell you, I'm, I I'm I, I try to balance the program. I don't want to hog time on, on these personal things that become crusades. I'm mindful of myself sometimes doing that. I don't want to bore you with them. And I, I'm starting to think maybe you guys are tired of, of me giving you the play-by-play of this fight in the state legislature. Maybe you're tired of participating. Maybe I should just stop. Well, then Ralston took to the podium yesterday yesterday in the Republican conference meeting, and he basically poured gasoline on himself and struck a match. I have heard from numerous members of the state legislature today, people I have never talked to in my life, finding my cell phone number to call me and tell me to tell my listeners to keep calling. It is working, and they are livid with what Ralston said yesterday in their conference and I've heard it now from enough of them that I largely can put the story together of what he said and why they're so livid. And I'll tell you why he caused himself all sorts of problems when we come back. Just a quick timeout to tell you about this week's sponsor, and it is my favorite toothbrush, Quip. And I don't just say that because they're the sponsor of this program. I've actually used a Quip for two years or longer now. In fact, I'm getting my, um, so I'm having to do the Invisalign, the braces thing, and I really don't like it. But every time I go, my doctor asks if I'm using uh, teeth whitener, bleach on my teeth. and No, I got sensitive gums. I can't do it. Um, but the reason he keeps asking me is because of the progress from the Quip electric toothbrush. Uh, the lack of tartar and plaque buildup has been amazing. I can get to the very back of my mouth because it's so well designed. I really do like this toothbrush. My wife uses one now as well, and I highly recommend them. And the Quip starts at just $25 if you go to getquip.com Eric, E-R-I-C-K, Go right now and you're going to get your first refill pack free with the Quip Electric Toothbrush. A refill pack, yeah, you get your brush heads every three months for just five bucks. You get a new brush head. And that's your first refill pack for free if you go to getquip.com slash eric, E-R-I-C-K, getquip.com slash eric. Okay, so let me tell you what happened in the Republican House conference meeting yesterday, the House caucus meeting. Uh, David Ralston, I am told now by a, a, am actually kind of surprised by the number of state reps who are calling me because— most of them I don't actually have any contact with. And they, I guess their colleagues who do talk to me gave them their cell phone number, my cell phone number. And I hadn't had a conversation with these people. So they're calling and they're all telling me to please keep up the phone calls, tell you guys to keep up the phone calls that they didn't think there was going to be any progress. And then yesterday in the meeting, uh, Speaker Ralston was asked about the Atlanta Journal story, about him using his power as speaker to ensure that criminal defendants never had to go to trial. For those of you who are unfamiliar with the story, Uh, David Ralston, I mean, people went on record saying they paid David Ralston $20,000 as criminal defendants, and Ralston, in exchange, has continued their cases, so they never actually go to trial. So in one case, you have a girl who was allegedly raped by a pastor staying at her family's home, and that pastor retained David Ralston. And Ralston has now continued the case for five years. So the 14-year-old girl who was raped is now 19 years old and can't get closure. She's got to hold on to the facts of the case because at some point, hopefully, it will come to trial and justice will be had. The case will be heard. And so she's in therapy now, five years later, dealing with this and trying to keep her memory fresh and make sure the facts are clear um, of what happened to her. So she can testify because you have a right to be to confront your accuser. So an an accused has a right to question her and she's going to have to be questioned. And they're dragging this out, waiting for her memory to fail. It's just horrific. So. I was starting to think, you know what, I've worn out my listeners on this and I might as well start winding this down. And then I start getting all these calls today from members of the state legislature. And what they're telling me is that when Ralston was asked about it yesterday, Ralston told them it was the liberals at the AJC and an angry talk show host who doesn't like him. And that's it. Uh, That basically your calls are all made up, that your calls are fabricated um, and to to ignore them. And, And this really, really made... The Republicans mad that basically they should keep taking the heat for David Ralston. Um, So we're just going to have to gear up and keep calling these people. You can text speaker to three, four, five, three, four, five to make it happen. So I need you guys to do a favor for me. In all honesty, I need you to do a favor. Um, the the calling the state legislators thing, there are some members of the state legislature who aren't getting called about this in the state house. Not the state city. We're only talking to the state house. And if you call, they're going to ask where you're from. And if you're not from their district, they don't care what you think. You can't vote for them or against them. So they don't care what you think. Uh, so it's got to be people who are in district who call. And if you will encourage your friends on Facebook, on Twitter, or just call your friends, email them, text them, whatever, tell them, just text speaker to three four five three four five. That's all, all you got to do. It, uh, a link comes back, you click it, you put in your, your phone number, and I call your phone. And in calling your phone, you put in your zip code and you call call your in-district representative. Um, You really got to do that. You got to call your representative. You can't call if you live in Atlanta and you're calling somebody in Savannah. They don't care because you can't vote for them or against them. So, you got to call your person, but you actually have to call and you got to get your friends to call as well. Uh, and you got to keep calling and you got to demand to speak to your state representative. Uh, don't just take the word of the person on the phone. Say you want to speak to your representative. You're their employer, for God's sakes. Uh, they don't employ you, you employ them. So, demand to speak to them, demand a call back. And if they don't, hold them accountable. Now, we got to move on from here. Uh, we got to move on because we got this, this uh, ISIS bride situation. So, you know, listen, I believe in grace and I believe that people are stupid. And so I believe because people are stupid, we got to show them some grace. But I got to tell you, I mean, as a buddy of mine, Dan pointed out earlier Joining ISIS in 2015 is about like signing up to be a Nazi in Germany in 1942. You already know they're terrible people committing crimes against humanity, and yet you're still willing to support them. I don't think she needs to come back into the United States. Now, so she's claiming to be an American citizen, and that's the spin from the media. But what you need to know is that She's not necessarily a citizen. The reason is because Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State, says that she has no legal basis, no valid passport, and no right to a passport, and no uh, visa to travel to the United States. The reason being is because her father was a diplomat. When she was born, her father was a diplomat to the United States. So she was born in the United States, but this gets into the whole uh, birthright citizenship issue uh, because, remember, what, what does the, the 14th Amendment say on birthright citizenship? Um, it requires that the laws of the United States only apply to people who are born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof. And she's not wasn't subject to the jurisdiction of the United States, even though she was born of the United States. She wasn't subject to the jurisdiction of the United States because her family had diplomatic immunity. So she couldn't get a parking ticket. She couldn't get a speeding ticket. She couldn't get arrested for murder. None of those things applied to her. Now, obviously, she's a baby. But still, because her father was on a diplomatic mission, she was part of that diplomatic mission. And so the 14th Amendment doesn't apply to her because they weren't bound to the laws. And this, by the way, this is very settled law. Her lawyers, she ha- has hired lawyers from CARE, and it's interesting, there are several people pointing out that the lawyers for CARE that she has hired uh, are anti-Israel leaders at CARE, fundraisers for the the wackadoos in Congress, Linda Sarsour al- allies, and that they have routinely backed ISIS against the United States. And that's who this woman has hired as her lawyers to try to come back into the United States, but I mean, y'all. Listen, I have been a lawyer a long time, number of years. I'm still inactive on the bar roll. Uh, that shakedown. I, I hope the Supreme Court overrules that. By the way, uh, the the bar association shakes you down every year, even if you don't want to practice law, but you don't want to give up your law license, so you don't have to take the bar exam again. You got to stay inactive and pay them money every year. It's a ridiculous shakedown, nonetheless. Um, but this this is pretty clear cut law here. That if you are on a diplomatic mission to the United States and you give birth to a child or your wife is here with you and gives birth to a child, the child's not an American citizen because you're a diplomat. You're not subject to the laws of the United States. So Pompeo is right here. She's not subject to the laws of the United States at birth. Therefore, she's not an American citizen, even if she lived here with her family. So she can sue all she wants. But his position, and the Trump administration's position, is no way are we letting this girl into the United States. She's not a citizen. And they're right to do that. And here's the thing. If Donald Trump were not president and someone else was, Barack Obama, George W. Bush, Al Gore, um, Zenu from Planet Clap 2, the Democrats would not be saying bupkis about this. They would be in complete agreement. But because it's Donald Trump, their default mode for this is, oh, He's bad, he's a racist, and we have to help this poor girl. No, 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 no. This poor girl willingly ran off to help ISIS. In 2015, when they were videotaping themselves, chopping people's heads off, she said, hey, I want to be a part of that. We don't need to let her in here. By the way, speaking of terrorist groups, uh, my buddy Chip Roy, Congressman Roy, who was on the program two weeks ago, Uh, He has sent a letter to Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State, asking why drug cartels aren't labeled foreign terrorist organizations. They're a threat to our national security. They're not just running drugs to the country. They're also uh, funding violent crime. So he's wondering why exactly are we not treating them as terrorist organizations? I can't believe this hasn't been done. But I was just text messaging back and forth with him. He says, nope. Uh, we've never classified these major drug cartels as terrorist organizations. I'm thinking we should do so. And he wants to make sure it happens as well. Okay. So I got to talk about something that's, it's it's just awkward for me because I'm a guy and these are not the things I like to talk about. It's very, 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 very awkward for men to talk about this thing, but it's, it's relevant to the news and I, I got to plow on through it. I, I, I got to make myself do this. Can we talk about... I can't believe I'm talking about this. Can we talk about tampons? I don't want to. Please God help me. <laughs> okay. I've thought about this and my initial reaction to the Democrats in the state legislature. They, so they want to pass legislation that says you can't, you, you can't ta- put a sales tax on, on feminine hygiene products. Oh, I can't believe I'm talking about this. Um, And my first reaction is, oh, they're Democrats. Of course, they don't want to do this, and, and this is—they just want to divide, and this is the why they're divided. And the more I have thought about this, I think they're right. I actually think that that they're right in this. Uh, it, it's a it's a necessary product, and government has tended, including the government in Georgia, has tended in the past to not tax necessary products, uh, medical products in particular. They don't they don't tax your pharmaceuticals. I don't think that they need to tax, put a sales tax on, on feminine hygiene products. I think the Democrats are actually right on this piece of legislation. And I I think that there's, there's bipartisan way to do this. And I got to tell you, I'm, I'm really hesitant to talk about any legislation. There's some really good legislation coming out of the house and I'm scared to talk about it and say it's good because I know David Ralston is such a vindictive piece of garbage that he'll kill the legislation, but I feel like it's going to be hard for him to kill this one because he's so concerned about women of the suburbs, even though he won't step aside uh, after after doing what he's doing to to people. But uh, this it just seems right. I I mean, if if you got an argument that, no, we should make an exception and we should keep taxing these. I don't understand why we're taxing tampons, because if you're a woman, you need them or feminine hygiene products. I go, gosh, I just don't like talking about this topic. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm just uncomfortable. I'm a guy. It's like going to the store to buy for your wife. It's just something guys don't like to do. But nonetheless... I agree with the Democrats in the state house and state Senate. They should not be taxed uh, because they are considered medically necessary. And so I hope that the Republicans will go along with them and not tax them. Now we can be rid of this conversation. The phone number here, 404 872 USB wsb talk And I guess that's my cue to take a time out and get away from the subject, but I'll take your calls on it if you have a differing opinion. Alrighty. We got to move on to other things this evening. Uh, I do want to talk about the Mueller investigation wrapping up when we come back and CNN is being attacked. Uh, there's also a Washington post story attacking Chris Pratt, uh, the actor from Hollywood who actually hangs out in Georgia quite a bit, uh, for being a Christian of all things in the Supreme court case. But well, I want to go to phones as well. So right now, Michael, uh, you're going to be up first next or next, I guess it is. We've already taken a call. <laughs> Hey, Michael. Hey, how you doing today? Good, how are you? Not too bad. So what's going on? I enjoy listening to you. Uh, yeah, you've been talking about the speaker the past few days. And my question is, has is, is, been bothering me. That can the governor have a say when a Speaker of the House, a legislator? It, it, to me, it's, I see him as breaking the law by not allowing people that have been charged with a crime to be brought to justice. Just, what, do well, you think the governor could have a say with this? So, he, first of all, it's not illegal because they don't want to go to trial. Uh, his clients don't want to go to trial, and and he's uh, under the law as a lawyer. He's got to represent his clients, and they don't want to go to law. They don't want to go to court, and so he's he's serving them in that regard. As for the governor, I've gotten this question from a number of people, and I'll tell you, um, no one wants to drag the governor into it for several reasons. One, he has no say over it. The governor has no say over who the Speaker of the House is. And if he were to weigh in, it would drag him into a fight where the speaker has a lot of political clout to scuttle the governor's agenda. And it's one of those, if you're going to kill the king, kill the king situations. Uh, You don't want the governor to get into this and risk his entire agenda because of a a vindictive piece of garbage like the Speaker of the House who would block every good thing the governor wants to do from here until kingdom come. So there's no reason to drag him into that fight. Uh, This is a fight over state representatives. It is the State House representatives that picked David Ralston to be Speaker of the House. It is Democrats and Republicans as well. And it is worth noting that... You do not, uh, that you do not see the Democrats saying anything here. And that is a big tip off that the Democrats are okay with the Speaker of the House and what he's done. The Democrats in the State House are okay with the Speaker of the House protecting accused child molesters. They want to take the moral high ground next year, but this year they're totally okay with it. Consider that, Democrats. It's your own party who's helping this guy stay in power. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the second hour of Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number, 404-872-0750-1800, WSB-TALK. Um, for those of you who still want to be engaged on the speaker fight, text speaker to 345-345, the word speaker, text it to 345-345. There is uh, a heavy, heavy line of thunderstorms moving into the area, lots of lightning. Um, if you are headed up 75 north of the brave stadium right now, the rain is encroaching right around Marietta over I-75 up 575. It is very, very heavy. When you get to Waleska, um, you are dealing with some very strong storms. Also the Kennesaw and Ackworth area powder springs as well. Very heavy rain moving into Austell and Lithia Springs right now, Mableton, Smyrna, Uh, You are in the path as is Vinings Douglasville also very heavy rain over the interstate just to the west of Douglasville right now Um, headed all the way down towards Noonan Noonan is about to get slammed with a severe thunderstorm well I don't want to use the word for severe thunderstorm it has meaning there's no severe thunderstorm warning just a very 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 heavy rain uh, with a lot of lightning in the storm as well but no, no alerts or warnings or anything like that. When you get up in north Georgia towards Blairsville, you got hailstorm right now. It's really strong up there. Uh, But in the listening area right now, basically, uh, you have rain compromising 75, 575, moving into the 400 area on the north side and across uh, I-20 west of the city as more rain moves in. Okay, we need to move to other stories of the day, including the Supreme Court ruling, but before we get there, we need to talk about Bob Mueller. CNN is reporting his investigation is coming to an end, and it is happening as Andrew McCabe is on his book tour. I want to play you this audio from Andrew McCabe on The View.
0: These comments about the 25th Amendment and about wearing a wire have been a little bit uh, distracting, but nevertheless, we were all operating under incredible stress. You know, you have to remember Savannah, this came at an incredibly stressful time. To be fair, it was an unbelievably stressful time i can't even describe for you how many things must have been coursing through the deputy attorney general's mind at that point it is understandable he was in under, under an enormous amount of stress at the time the point is the the stress and the complexity of the issues that we were discussing at the time i can't describe to you accurately enough the pressure and the chaos so you can see that in those conditions, those incredibly stressful times, it was incredibly turbulent, incredibly stressful, and it was clear to me that that stress was, was impacting the deputy attorney general.
1: So he, he started The View, he moved to NBC, and he moved across the board there with, with the same talk, about incredible, uh, high pressure, incredibly stressful. Uh, he's speaking for Rod Rosenstein, who is not speaking for himself at the moment, uh rosenstein is still on the job and mccabe is is essentially trying to sell his own book and, and using rod rosenstein as a central figure rosenstein uh probably resents this but here's the thing i want to start this audio over again i'm not going to play the whole thing for you but just listen to the very beginning what his he comments says.
0: about the 25th amendment and about wearing a wire have been a little bit uh, distracting
1: Wait, 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 wait. So he said that to begin with wearing the wire and the 25th Amendment. Those were things that Andrew McCabe himself came up with in his book. And now he's saying they're taken out of the context first. Now he's saying they're distracting. Why? Because they blew up in his face. And people have come forward to challenge his claims. And so now suddenly they're a distraction. That's a bunch of garbage. Andrew McCabe's stepping in it, and of course, he's got to hurry this up now. And he's got to hurry it up. Why? Because the Mueller report is coming. CNN says Mueller's report is coming, and there's a question as to whether or not it will be completely revealed when it does. I suspect it will not. Uh, I don't know whether it'll leak or not. One of the things that is a recurring theme, and I realize a lot of you don't trust this, and I understand why, but one of the recurring themes from people that I talk to is that the Mueller investigators aren't the leakers. They have interviewed hundreds of people and the leaks come from those people, not from the Mueller team. Occasionally, the leaks come from people in the clerk of court's office there in in Washington, DC. And some of the leaks come from the Southern district of New York, which is notorious for leaking to the press. But not from Mueller's team. No one really knows what Mueller has. What I find very, very, very interesting today is that a number of Democrats have come out and are starting to take the position that, well, just because Mueller doesn't tell us what we want to hear, we still know what we want to hear is true. And they're beginning to prepare themselves for the inevitability that Mueller isn't actually going to tell them what they want to hear. That it's going to be more detailed oriented. It's going to be very factual. It's not going to be hysterical. And in fact, I, I think it's very notable that we've only had these ancillary figures carted off to jail. We we have not had an indictment for the president. We have not had an indictment for the president's children. We have not had an indictment for uh, various lawyers for the president other than Michael Cohen. It it doesn't appear that the Mueller team is going to back up the collusion charges. In fact, I'm seeing Democrats today start saying, well, it wasn't really collusion. collusion. It was meaningful cooperation during the campaign. So we've gone from collusion to meaningful cooperation. Y'all, meaningful cooperation ain't illegal. There's no crime there. We'll see what the Mueller team comes up with. Meanwhile, CNN is under attack from Democrats, Uh, like seriously under attack from Democrats. Because they hired Sarah Flores. Sarah Flores was Jeff Sessions' spokeswoman. Before that, she served on various campaigns. She worked for Mitt Romney. She worked for Ted Cruz. She worked for Carly Fiorina. Uh, She's been involved in politics. She's not going to be a reporter. She's going to be an editor. Uh, Her job at CNN will be to... Uh, help reporter, help direct reporters and how they cover the news and where they cover the news and what stories they look for. CNN has hired a number of these people to serve as editors for the 2020 race. Some Republican and some Democrat. You're only hearing about her because Democrats are upset. CNN has hired a Republican who worked for Jeff Sessions. That's what all of this is about. Now I can tell you, uh, when CNN hired me years ago, back in 2009. The left went through a fit of rage over that as well, and they stuck by their guns. Now, Jeff Zucker was not in charge at the time. Jim Walton was. And Walton was not afraid to weather these these storms from political interests. I'm assuming Zucker as well is not going to be on the shakedown from left-wing interest groups over this. But it really is very interesting that one of the angles of attack on CNN is they hired someone who did not go to journalism school. Believe it or not, there was a time in this country when most journalists had not gone to journalism school. Interestingly enough, the favorability ratings of Democrats, or of Democrats, of of journalists, uh, see see what I did there? The favorability rating of journalists was much higher than it is now that they actually are Democrats, partisan activists, and J-school left-wing grads uh, who are secular, who live along the coast, who all have groupthink. Again, like I said, the first hour, diversity for these people is everybody can look different as long as they think the same. And that's what the left wants. They want a newsroom that is black, brown, uh, white, uh, Hispanic, uh, male, female, transgendered, gay, straight, uh, Asian. As long as there's not a conservative in the newsroom, they'll consider it diverse. That's what they're outraged about. The crazy thing here is all these people saying that she didn't go to J school. She didn't go to journalism school. Therefore, therefore, she is fundamentally flawed and should not be a news editor. It was the journalism school grads who got the University of Virginia story wrong, the Duke, rape, uh, Duke LaCrosse rape case wrong, the, um, the Covington Catholic school wrong, the Jesse Smollett case wrong. All of the journalism school folks are the ones who got those stories wrong. It, it wasn't the people who were actually raised in the world and actually lived in the real world, and actually had jobs in the real world who got those stories wrong. It was all the J school grads. Apparently, uh, if you work in the real world, you have a really good BS detector. And if you go to J school, they amputate it out of your brain. And apparently, the journalism school kids want more people in the media who fall for all these nonsensical stories. They don't want the people who are prone to have the ability to not fall for the BS. And that says more about them than it does CNN or Sarah Flores. Just a quick timeout to tell you about this week's sponsor. And it is my favorite toothbrush, Quip. And I don't just say that because they're the sponsor of this program. I've actually used a Quip for two years or longer now. In fact, I'm getting my, um, so I'm having to do the Invisalign, the braces thing. And I really don't like it. But every time I go, my doctor asks if I'm using uh, teeth whitener, bleach on my teeth. and No, I got sensitive gums. I can't do it. Um, but the reason he keeps asking me is because of the progress from the quip electric toothbrush, uh, the lack of tartar and plaque buildup has been amazing. I can get to the very back of my mouth because it's so well designed. I really do like this toothbrush. My wife uses one now as well, and I highly recommend them. And the quip starts at just $25. If you go to getquipcom slash Eric, E R I C K go right now. And you're going to get your first refill pack free with the quip electric toothbrush your refill pack. Yeah. You get your brush heads every three months for just five bucks. You get a new brush head. And that's your first refill pack for free if you go to G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K, getquip.com slash Eric. I just had coffee. I need it. Y'all, I have gone to the gym twice a day, every day for the last two weeks, and there is not a part of my body that doesn't hurt. And I'm exhausted, so I'm drinking coffee in the afternoon. The phone number here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. So several people, we had one person who who waited forever, and I had moved on, and I would have come back to them, but they didn't want to hang on on the the whole tampon tax issue. And if we start here, what else? Uh, Well, you know, I'm okay with not taxing toothpaste and dental floss and stuff like that. But on this particular issue... The state does not tax things that are considered medical necessities, like syringes for people with diabetes or diabetes test kits and things like that. And there's just no way around this, that that if you are a female um, between the ages of, well, it keeps going earlier and earlier, uh, to to menopause, from puberty to menopause, you got to buy this product. There's no way around it. Now, I I know we've got a few few friends who they've come up with alternative novel things to do and they all gross me out. But if you don't want to gross people out, this is medically necessary for a female in the United States of America. I I don't see a reason to tax it. Now, I realize there's a larger issue here. Uh, with Democrats trying to find these wedge issues to get women on their side. Uh, In particular, Democrats are deeply worried about married women still tend to be reliable Republican voters, although less so in the age of Donald Trump, and they're trying to find ways to get them to lock in for the Democrats. And I just think this is one of those issues where Republicans say, you know what? Yeah, if you're a woman, this is a product you have to buy. Uh, there's no reason to tax you on this necessity, and you could say, "Well, you gotta, you, you gotta buy food too." Yeah, but there are varieties of food you can buy. There are some things you, you or you can grow it at, at your house. You can go out and buy seeds, and you can grow your food at your house. You can get a chicken. I got plenty of friends with chickens for their eggs, so you don't have to buy eggs at the grocery store. So they're not gonna get taxed. This, you're not gonna be making these things at home. I mean, at least you shouldn't be, because um, that's just kind of gross. You gotta go to the store. So I'm totally okay with the idea of not taxing tampons. Now, when we come back to the Supreme Court, huge, huge decision today, a nine-to-nothing decision from the Supreme Court on asset forfeiture. It will impact Georgia greatly. In fact, it will impact some metro areas that have been using speed traps as a way to generate revenue for local communities. I'll give you the details when we come back. I got to do the radar thing folks uh, because it's that bad. Uh really really heavy stuff inside the perimeter right now and uh, near the airport, a lot of lightning down there in the Fairburn area. There's some hail in the radar. It is very, very strong. And this is a line that actually goes up 400, uh, Roswell Alpharetta moving through it. It's about to move over to 85 Johns Creek getting into it. Milton getting into it, Norcross, Berkeley Lake, Duluth coming right in the middle of it right now, all the way up to Dahlonegan. it just stretches all the way to the, uh, North Georgia, very, very heavy stuff. Even Helen is about to get slammed up there in the North Georgia mountains, uh, Uh, Not good. Now, it has cleared out on the west side now, 75, I-20, and and 575, except uh, don't get lulled into this because there's a second wave coming. It is not as strong as the first wave, but it is strong, and there is very heavy rain over I-20 west towards Birmingham right now in the Temple and Villarica area, uh, just north of Carrollton. There's some hail in the clouds. There's a lot of lightning, so... Just be careful out there. You should have your headlights on now anyway in this, this gross weather, but it's it's some very, very heavy rain right now moving through the area. The Supreme Court has issued a very big decision on asset forfeiture. So what asset forfeiture is, is states oftentimes they will take property that they presume could have been used in the commission of a crime or could Um, be the product of crime. So, for example, in this case, there was a guy in Indiana who was caught selling about $100 worth of heroin to an undercover police officer in 2015. Tyson Timms is his name. No one disputes he sold heroin. Uh, But Tyson Timms had a $42,000 Land Rover SUV. It is indisputed in the court record that he bought the Land Rover through a life insurance payout when his father died. No one disputes the fact that he bought the Land Rover with that. But because he was in the Land Rover, when he sold the drugs to the police, the police seized the Land Rover. They did not pay him just compensation for it. They just took it because it was in the the a commission of a crime. Well, here's the thing. He was sentenced to jail, and he was sentenced to pay a fine. The fine was paid. He served his jail time. He wanted his truck back. No court ordered that his vehicle could be taken away. The police just did it. And in the past, this has not been incorporated against the states, this portion of the Eighth Amendment, the no excessive fines. Well, today, the Supreme Court unanimously said that no states can't impose excessive fines either. Now, this is happening, and I, I want to say it's Doraville. Um, it has turned into a big speed trap operation to fund the city budget. There was an article, I think it was in Reason, there's a lawsuit now, and I think it's Doraville. One of those, those areas around Doraville where it, it's become a huge speed trap. And the police are highly likely to pull you over if you are not a known resident and give you a speeding ticket. It's just some ridiculous stories coming out of there. And in one case, the person was three miles over the speed limit and was pulled over and given a given a ticket. And th- this is going to impact those cases as well, where the Supreme Court very very clear today that if if governments are using cr- uh, cr- the police, basically uh, police state issues. To fund their government, that's a no-no. So there are places all over the state that run big speed traps. And they run those speed traps to fuel their government. Henry County, notorious speed traps. My goodness, uh, don't ever speed through Henry County on I-75. They, they are all over the place. And a lot of times they're looking for drugs. It, it's not speed traps. But there are other places in the state where it's just huge amounts of, of uh, speeding tickets to fund the local government. So the Supreme Court saying, saying, ah, you got to cut it out now. You can't do this anymore. And it's nice to see this. It's a nine to nothing case. Ruth Bader Ginsburg came back to issue the opinion, uh, read it from the bench today, which was an unusual move considering she's been gone and had the lung cancer surgery. But it's a, it's a good decision. This is a very good decision. Uh, if you support civil liberties, if you're a conservative, you should appreciate the fact that the government can no longer take people's assets as a civil matter and, and prevent people from getting them back which has been happening for a very long time now. So I guess the national media is going to stop covering the Jesse Smollett situation now that it's come out that he actually is a suspect and not a victim. Uh, they'll move on. I, I've been trying to, to rack my brain on this. I've got a syndicated column coming out in newspapers across the country, but not in the AJC of what it is that gets the national media to cover these situations. Cause they're all about the, the local newspaper editor or publisher and, Alabama who wants the KKK to come back. that's a, a kind of a, a story It doesn't affect anybody and yet it's a huge national story. Jesse Smollett was a huge national story until it appears he's the suspect and I'm sure it'll die. You had the, the Virginia situation was huge and, and all I can come up with now is that the only reason local stories of corruption and whatnot and crime become national stories is they can either make Donald Trump look bad or they they're about race. And if you can find one of those uh, proving that, yes, white people are racist or Donald Trump is e- an idiot or terrible or awful or uh, and his supporters are, too, then it becomes a national story. But you got the Speaker of the House of Representatives in Georgia who is using his power to keep people out of jail, and that's not a national story. It's just dumbfounding to me. Um If that could somehow be tied to Donald Trump, you and I both know it would be a national story. I hope you'll continue to make the phone calls, though. I I really was getting a little bit depressed. I I wasn't sure it was doing any good. And then suddenly today, these state legislators, some of whom I've never even heard from before, are calling. I don't know how they got my phone number saying, please, please keep it up. It's making a big difference. And telling me the speaker basically lit himself on fire yesterday, a huge disaster on his part he made a big misstep and now they're all livid with him so keep up the phone calls folks text speaker to three four five three four five keep up the phone calls keep up the pressure and maybe we can get something done these people they may be scared of the speaker but they're more scared of voters y'all a a constituent of representative john carson's just email me. John Carson represents Cherokee and Cobb County. Uh, It is District 46. Uh, He lives in Marietta, and he's a CPA. And uh, John Carson, according to this constituent, says, John Carson says, uh, wait and see what the facts are. Y'all, what... what facts do we need to wait and see? The, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution has interviews with the victims who can't go to trial. Uh, it has court officials speaking on background because they're too scared to go on the record because of the speaker. Uh, and the Speaker, is is all he's doing is saying that this is some angry talk show host and the AJC out to get him. Uh, I, I think we have the facts. Uh, if you're in John Carson's district, you probably ought to call him and let him know that he needs to stand up, man up, and take action on this. The rest of you, text SPEAKER to 345-345 and call your state representative and tell them to man up.